Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to my favorite part of the week. This is Beyond Sunday, where we take you inside the culture of Vox Church, and we have Justin Kendrick here today. It's been a couple weeks since we've talked to Justin, Justin, so I have so many questions, so many different things to talk about. A couple of crazy weeks. Yeah, a couple yeah, so. of crazy weeks. So welcome, yep. buddy. It's How good to be here. are you? Yeah, I think that's a loaded question. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> you know, I think my, my heart is full of hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there's a big part of me that's heavy with all that's happening in our world right now. Uh, so that's real. Um, and then there's a big part of me that is full of confidence that we serve a God that is bigger than the brokenness in our world and that we have a message that is stronger than every message of division and hate and sin that dominates our society. The message of the gospel really is life for all people all time, everywhere. And I have never been more convinced of that. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, honestly, burning in my guts, there is a divine hope from heaven. Uh, But that doesn't mean I'm not heavy with all that's going on at the same time. Well, I mean, way to start it deep. I was just talking about the poison ivy on your arm. Oh yeah, doing good. Yeah, actually that's gone. So so let's just talk about that for a second. So uh, yesterday marked the first time I didn't have to put calamine lotion all over myself oh, yeah. and i was comfortable so i think i'm on the other side i know i was i was Praise laughing so hard as you pulled up the the bag and with all the oh, lotions man. and everything in there oh Brutal. poison ivy is the worst i hate poison ivy it's been a few years so uh, <laughs> i'm glad i'm on the other side well yeah. we're going to talk about a range of topics from coronavirus to you know everything that's going on right now yeah but i want to jump back in because today is the mark of phase two. Sure. So phase yeah. two, we've obviously been in this entire pandemic for three months. I think yeah. it was uh, March 17th that uh, our governor said, you know, we're going to have to close everything down. Yep. And we've progressed all the way up until phase two. Yep. So that's the church itself has seen so many range of different things going on, right. starting from, uh, you know, our full production for full Right. everything yep. all of a sudden we had to go to middletown do that and yep. uh ryan had a great podcast talking about taking over his uh yeah. <laughs> taking over yeah. his yeah. campus in middletown. that's right so what does phase two mean mean for vox yeah that's good that's good so i mean ultimately for us you know our mindset is uh we want to gather as a church as quickly as we can as often as we can but we also want to set people up for uh, safety and yep. success as a community. So we are taking our cues. We're, we're learning, we're, we're listening to the governor and to the stuff that's coming out in the federal government. But then we're also just saying, okay, for the church family, what's best, you know? So ultimately, uh, the, the family of God needs to make that decision. How do we gather? What's the best way to do it? Yeah. So for us, you know, phase two looks like a few really important changes. One is we've got parking lot church coming up this week. Let's so we're go. excited yeah. about that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. We're, we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. We're gathering parking lots. So we'll talk more about that. But then we're also beginning to encourage people to do what we're calling renewal parties, which really are just gatherings at your house, maybe outside barbecue, mm-hmm. socially distance, you know, respect one another's space, but start to get together with some of the family of God. Yeah. And so our goal is to have, I think we have right now, maybe 50 or so of those planned for the month of July and into August. But then beyond that, We're really hoping to have about a hundred of those total. And then we're also encouraging people when they're comfortable to do it, to gather on Sunday mornings in homes to start to experience the worship and the sermon together. Oh, that's cool. And then talk about it. And so that's starting to happen as well. Uh, Obviously, you know, if people have pre-existing conditions, if people are elderly, uh, they really need to use wisdom and, and still be careful. 
Uh, but I do see in Connecticut and in Massachusetts the numbers going down for mm-hmm. coronavirus, which is awesome. And so I'm hoping, you know, we're moving forward. Yeah. And uh, yeah. our goal is to open our, you know, we'll do, we're going to outline steps for our church actually this week, step one, step two, step three. Step two right now is what we're in, which is outdoor gatherings, smaller gatherings for the church. And then from there, our staff really begins to hold office hours again, yeah. which we're excited about. And then we'll, we'll go into step three, which will be, uh, we'll regather in public gatherings. We're still praying is that, you know, when is that first start date? So as soon as we know, we will let you know, but, um, but yeah, where we'll be meeting weekly like we are, but still with some, you know, changes to the kids program, yeah, people yeah. wearing masks, all that. Mm-hmm. And then God willing, as soon as possible, we'll be back to yeah. meeting normally. I, mean, I don't know if normal is even the right word, but meeting again, again, in a again. weekly way, yeah. uh, every Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, it's, so. it's been great. Our community group, I, it's ours is a little bit smaller, but yep. we finally had the chance to start getting together yeah. on our on our night when we first started we were on zoom and it was great we yep. can lounge out on our couch and you have our own coffee and then after a while we're like oh, you everybody's know, we, done with zoom <laughs> we need i'd be happy if i never went on zoom again <laughs> I, there's days where it's like nine and a half hours of zoom and it's like oh my goodness uh we just started regathering uh, our executive team which is just five of us yeah. you know um where we're actually physically in the same room and keeping our distance, everything else. But you know, it's, um, it's good to see some people. It's, yeah, I think yeah. it's time to start taking that next step. So in terms of phase two, what does that mean for the campuses like new Britain and, yep. and Worcester and Rocky and Mike, what are, what are they expecting? Yeah. So new Britain, our desire is to, uh, open it for weekly services as soon as it's safe and we're able. So yeah. our expectation is this fall that will go to weekly services. Obviously we wanted to launch new Britain weekly, on Easter Sunday. And so that's been delayed, delayed, delayed. Uh, Worcester, we're going to take a little bit of a slower approach because, you know, with a launch as far away as Worcester. Mm -hmm. So for us, obviously Springfield is the closest and that's about an hour. And so, um, we'll probably do monthly gatherings this fall and then look into 2021 to go weekly. So that one will be a little slower. You know, we were hoping to start weekly gatherings in October, uh, but with this really, it's going to be like a five, six month delay. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to push it back. I don't want to launch Worcester without having monthly gatherings for a while, because for such a long launch, you really got to get momentum, build that team. Yeah. And that's not really been possible at this point. So, um, we do have a great team. There's probably 50 people that are really committed to Worcester, Yeah, uh, but I want that to be 150. So, and, and I heard that I, the teams are all still there. They're still yeah. ready to rock. New Britain's um, ready and uh, Worcester's hungry. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to watch those things explode. Oh, they're going to fly. Yeah. yeah. They're really going to fly. We found with church launching, you know, we really, it's always our prayer that we start over a hundred people. If we, if we're able to start over a hundred people, uh, we've seen the church grow to three, four, five, six hundred within a couple of years. If you start at 50 or 60, you know, that's a great start, but it's difficult to get some momentum yeah. uh, just with that size of a group. So our, our goal is to give it enough time mm-hmm. to really grow big enough to launch uh, large, yeah, larger. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. So this weekend, this weekend, we are yeah. finally, I we know. get to see some people. It's great. Yeah. For yeah. those of you who haven't necessarily seen the setup over at Middletown, it's it's honestly been the same couple people every single week. Yeah. And I love those people so much. Yeah. They're the only people that I've seen this that's whole right. time. But, you know... We get to see members yep. show up. So yep. what what are they going to expect when they Yeah, Friday night in Middletown, Saturday night in uh, Hartford, and Sunday. Sunday we got the um, the uh, sports, uh, what is it, Sports Haven? Sports Haven. Sports Haven, sports haven. Uh, <laughs> parking lot. So, 
you know, it's exciting. They, it filled up in a day. Yeah. I know it's not big enough for our whole church. Mm-hmm. So I do encourage you, if you're coming, make sure there's not one person in your car. Yeah. Try to get <laughs> four people, grab five people. people. Yeah, smash them in, people that you feel comfortable being that close to. But, but uh, yeah, we're trying to fit as many people as we can, of course. But parking lots, you know, have their limits too. So uh, it filled up really fast. We did pre-registration, and it was just boom, filled yeah, up. Just, but yeah, expect to meet with Jesus. I have a burning word in my soul oh, to share. Cool. I feel like it's one of those words that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us in a way that we are never the same. And so I'm very expectant to share that uh, starting Friday night. And so that'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to have a time of worship. we got a team ready to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's going to be worship. It's going to be celebration. we got some fun stuff going on. Our campus pastors have some fun little surprises planned. And then uh, I want to share this burning word and we're going to watch the Holy Spirit do work. So it's going to be church. It's going to be church at night in a car parking lot. Hey, you want to know what I think it's, I think it goes without saying that you guys are doing everything that you can possibly do to get the community together because that's what Vox is. It is a culture. It is a community. It is a group of people with like-mindedness to spread the gospel. Uh, And to see this, I, I, Honestly, I say excited a lot, and I yeah. realize that after listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to some of my podcasts, but <laughs> I am truly excited to be a part of this event. You know, for me, uh, the family of God is not a Sunday gathering. I love our Sunday gatherings, don't get me wrong. The family of God is a movement. We are yeah. we are a people on move. And if there's one thing we've seen over the last few months with coronavirus is that we are flexible, that we have shifted gears. We don't have an office like we used to. We don't have a... Sunday gathering like we used to, and yet our church is still connected, still in love with Jesus, mm-hmm. still on mission. And yeah, we're excited to get moving to the next phase. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but I am encouraged that, you know, the body of Christ, it is an unstoppable force. It's bigger than Vox. It's bigger than any country. It is a international, global movement of the Spirit of God, yeah. hearts changed by the power of the blood of Jesus. And nothing can stop the church. Yeah. Nothing can stop the church. And that's been proven over the last few months. Yeah. I mean, speaking on that topic, I've known you for a while now, and I know your heart. Your heart is yeah. to grow the gospel in the region of New England. Yeah. So looking back, now that things are starting to open up, but looking back over yeah. the last couple months, has this been encouraging or discouraging yeah. for y- your mission for Vox Church? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'd be lying if I said there weren't huge parts of it that were discouraging, you know, so not seeing the family of God, not launching New Britain, not launching Worcester, Mm -hmm. not taking some of the ground that we wanted to take. That part has been, uh, discouraging for sure. Not being around our staff. I mean, looking at people on a screen, you know, (laughs) it's discouraging people going through tough times and not being able to be there for them. You know, we had to do, you know, funerals on Zoom. We had to do, you know, just moments in people's lives that the family of God, we should be linking arms and we're not able to physically. That's been tough. So I'd be lying if I'd say that that wasn't discouraging. Uh, I have to say though, overall, I have actually been encouraged by this time. And so there's a few sides to that. One is that we have a great team. And so uh, our team immediately kind of was repurposed. We reorged, we redesigned everything, restructured everything. Our finance team was very diligent to rethink things. And Mm -hmm. so I really believe that we'll come out of coronavirus actually financially stronger than if we had uh, not had coronavirus, which is just nuts. Like that's not supposed to happen. And yet I'm very confident that's what will happen. And so we're on track with all of the wake my heart goals that we set last fall, you Mm -hmm. know, with, um, 
you know, launching our anchor location, launching new campuses, uh, site acquisition funds, strengthening our current ministries. We're taking crazy amounts of ground in all those things. And so one of the things we've really reused this time for is to strengthen the current ministries, figure out how do we do kids better? How do we do youth better? How do we do servant team better? How do we do community groups better? And so we've, there's been tons of, of ground taken that I'm really excited to share with the church as we, as we move forward. So I, I think in those ways, I've been encouraged. I've also been encouraged by how faithful our church has been. Mm-hmm. And so attending community group, giving weekly, uh, being a part of the vision, anything we put out there, it's like we put out an essentials class. Boom, it's full in a day. Yeah. We put out parking lot church. Boom, every church is, every every parking lot's full in a day. There's such a hunger to like, hey, we're the family of God. And I've talked a lot about this in our church. Uh, there's the crowd and then there's the church, mm-hmm. and there's a big difference. The crowd is a big group of people that are kind of scoping you out, not really committed. As soon as it gets tough, they leave. As soon as there's a disagreement, they bail. As soon as things get difficult, they walk away. That's the crowd. And then there's the church, and the church is family. The church is linked by the blood of Christ. The church says, listen, I don't have to agree with you about everything. I agree with you about the most important thing, and that is the gospel. I've been so impressed with how our church is not a crowd. Yeah. It is the church. And that to me has been, uh, you know, it's been displayed in so many different ways the last few months. So to me, it's like, I didn't know, you yeah. know, like I didn't know what, what I, would I don't, happen. I honestly don't think anyone knew. And, and, you know, I hoped that we have a church, not a crowd, yeah. but until it's tested, you don't really know. That's true. And so for me, it's like this test we've coming out, pro- we've come out like proven, like, we are the church, yeah. arm in arm, together in faith. Difficult times, both financially, health-wise, racial division, all this stuff going on in our world, and like we're still standing together. Yeah. And to me, that's really exciting because nothing can stop the church. And I remember in one of our original podcasts, mm-hmm. I think it was probably you know one through five. You said something along the lines of you've been working as a, as a person to yeah. celebrate the small wins that the church accomplishes yeah. and you accomplish. And yeah. I think, you know, looking back, you can celebrate the fact, yeah. not only as the church as a whole, have we realized how strong and how community oriented we are yeah. and, and how we can persevere, yep. but also the community how everybody is sticking together. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, just, just, community groups and you know systems and everything everything changed and yet we are still growing we are still growing you know it's funny sometimes like i obviously we have multiple locations and uh and you know we we are growing which is crazy i mean we're reaching more people now online than we ever have by far you know it's it's awesome but oftentimes like i'll watch a video that vox youth puts out or a video that one of our other campuses put out and it's somebody in our church sharing and they're talking about how they're passionate about the vision and how they're, we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I'll be watching it with my wife and I'll go, I don't even, I've never seen that person my whole life. I've never <laughs> met them. And it's just like, wow, like this is, it's, it's way beyond us. It's not Justin's vision. It's a kingdom vision. Yep. It's not Justin's church. It's our church. And that's what it's supposed to be. That's when it's unstoppable, when it's bigger than us. Yeah. And, uh, I be, that like encourages my soul like nothing else. Yeah. You know, it's just like, wow. You know, I, I have this thought of the church. What is one thing that you, it just maybe in one sentence or one word that you just, 
you just didn't expect or what you think, you know, how it's encouraged you as, as a whole, because it's encouraged me uh, to the utmost, because just like what you said, we've reached you, you watch the YouTube videos, you watch the Facebook live events and you see how many times it's press shared, how many times it's press shared and how many people are viewing or logging on and seeing this and and if you think about it, you, this is almost by design yeah. because we're, we have a mission. The mission is to reach New England. Yes. And one of the ways was to plant <laughs> campuses and do things like that. Yep. But now we had to set up something completely different and it, the results yeah, are, are exponential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that I put, I, I put you a little bit on the spot. No, I'm no, sorry. no. Yeah. No, I, I want to say it, but I don't know how to say it yeah. in one word. You're like, give me one word. I'm like, uh, God. Yeah. Uh, God. But, but, but I do have a thought. Like you look at the story of Joseph and uh, he, you know, uh, has this dream, gets thrown in a well by his brothers, betrayed by his family, gets sold into slavery, gets accused of a crime he didn't commit, gets thrown into prison, then comes out of prison, interprets the Pharaoh's dream and gets elevated to the most powerful man in Egypt and is used by God to save the world from a famine and to rescue his family from death and starvation, right? Yeah. And at the end of all that, he says, listen, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow. And it's just this powerful... Preach, preach it. It's crazy yeah. because like what what I've seen in, in our church is that like God has an undeniable, uncanny ability to take bad things and difficult things and reverse them for the benefit and blessing of his people. And we're living that right now. And like, I never doubted that, but I do think that that conviction has, we we will come out in every way stronger as a family of God because of coronavirus. Now, will it delay some things? Yeah, it'll delay some things. But in the end, the benefits are going to actually far outweigh the detriments, and that doesn't make any sense. Like our world went through a global can- pandemic. We shouldn't be coming out stronger, healthier financially, more connected, more committed, more focused, more prepared, but we are. Yeah. And it's like only the Lord can do that, you know? And so uh, it's, it's funny. That you, blows my mind. Yeah, you think about it. I mean, every time you get going and every time you think the train is rolling and yeah. rolling and rolling, all of a sudden God puts a wrench in it can brings it to a complete halt and says, no, you're going the wrong totally way. We're going to, we're going to take you here. Yeah. So, and that I, one thing about that is it keeps me in a perspective that says, this is God's church. Yeah. It's not my church. It's not our leader's church. This is God's church. If he wants the vision to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm convinced he does. And that's not my job. It's ultimately the Lord's job. No. And that's like, that's such peace. Cause I'm just along for the ride. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about coronavirus yeah. and, I want to talk a little bit about what is going on socially in yeah. our world right yeah. now, especially the United States. It's, uh, if you look at the news and depending on what news you look at, you right. look at any social media, you look at anything, you're just hit with, you know, with this black lives matter movement yep. and, you know, social injustice. So yep. I want to talk a little bit about that because I understand in your perspective, you have one goal in mind yep. and that mission is to reach people in new England. That's right. And Unfortunately, this has taken up such a, a, uh, I'm I'm not going to, it's like a divisive, divisive, you know, and, and I feel like there's people on different sides, all fighting for different things rather than coming together. And you've actually done a great job of presenting the issue to our church. And, you know, number one, I just want to say thank you very much for your leadership because you've actually taken the, you've taken 
uh, you, you've taken the issue and you've hit it on full head. Yeah, yeah. And for some people, I feel like it's, it's extremely hard to do that. And, you know, whether, you know, we don't want to say anything or whether we say this or right. whether we say that. So, you know, thank you for that. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to talk about the pressure as, as a pastor. Yeah. Because the you have to be getting hit from all sides. And I, and I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, yeah. but I just want to talk a, a little bit through you, uh, a little bit about that, yeah. you know, and just Good. the pressure that's on, that's on the church's shoulders right now. Yeah. I mean, it's real. You know, we have a lot of critics right now, uh, on, on every angle, both sides, we have a lot of critics and, and I, I, understand that kind of comes with being the family of God. Uh, yeah. this is, you know, racial tensions in America is one of the most complex nuanced issues on planet earth. Yeah. I can't cover it in a two minute podcast. Obviously we've done a lot on this. I've talked, you know, for hours with some of the black leaders that I trust. Uh, we're doing panels within our church of black and white leaders that are having conversation, getting on the same page. I've been preaching about the implications of the scripture yep. on, on racial tension. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to try to cover it all. I will say, you know, the pressure, uh, you know, I got to say, and I don't want to make this overly simplified, but as a follower of Jesus, you have to determine what do I believe mm -hmm. and then what am, what hills am I willing to die on? And for me, I am not gonna, I'm not a political person in the yeah. sense that like when I, when I, um, you know, decided to reach New England with the gospel, I said, listen, I'm not going to be for one political party or one political movement. I have my personal convictions and I believe that they're informed by scripture, but my goal is to teach our church how to think mm -hmm. biblically and then let them figure out the implications of how to vote in light of those truths. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, not to cut you off, but you do a great job on that, especially during the election times, you hit the issues without yeah. actually giving people a direction. Yeah. Well, I think for too long, the church in general in America has said, Hey, everyone vote this way. Yeah. And it's like, what we've done is we've created a bunch of zombies who aren't thinking for themselves. And that's not the church. You have to understand that the church doesn't surrender to a political party or even to a nation. Like I'm an American. I love America, but above being an American, I'm a Christian yeah. and I'm a stranger in a strange land. And so my ultimate allegiance is not to the nation is not to a political party. My ultimate allegiance is to Jesus. And I think a lot of Christians blur those lines mm -hmm. and that's dangerous because you can't put anything. This is why Jesus said, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love wife or children more than me, you have to deny everything. And I have to be supreme in your life, period. Yeah. Nothing else gets to compete with that. Now you can have your political convictions. It's not wrong to maybe run for office or, you know, be a associate. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you, you can't sell your soul to the party mm -hmm. or to the party's agenda. You can't be bought. That's the power of a Christian is they can't be bought. I, I am who I am in Christ. And so for me, you know, um, the issue of abortion, I'm pro-life. I believe the Bible teaches a pro-life stance, okay? Uh, the issue of racial equality. I am for the equality of all people, regardless of race. That is a biblical truth, okay? Now, how does that play out in our society? Well, it's complicated. Yeah. And as a white man, I have to, I have to acknowledge that I am historically in the most privileged position in American history. I am. I mean, there's no really debating that. And so I think one thing that is a struggle for people is this idea of systemic racism. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you say that, I hear white people say things like, well, listen, I'm not racist. And 
And I'm not trying to accuse individuals of being racist, okay? But I think that we're, we're naive if we don't see the long-term implications of the last 400 years of our world. And so, you know, my encouragement to everyone right now in the family of God is to find people who don't look like you and listen. Yeah. Just find people who don't look like you and listen. I, not I, to one, yeah. not to a social media post, to a human sitting across the table. Just don't ask them to represent their race. Don't say to the, a white person, if you're black, hey, represent all white people for me. Or a black person, if you're white, hey, represent all black people. No, no, no. Just just represent you. Just yeah. tell me your story. I think if you do that with 10 people who don't look like you, your perspective will change. Yeah. And so, you know. Um, I, I honestly think that's that's one of the best pieces of advice anyone can get because it's not, I mean, I don't think the issue lies with, with this grand scheme of, of things. I think right. it's just awareness and getting to know our brothers Starts with awareness. And, yeah. and, and again, what's the ultimate goal, you know, yeah. to get people to heaven. Yeah. That is, that is the ultimate goal. And, yeah. and how are you going to do that? If you don't develop personal relationships with the people that surround you hundred percent. And you know, that's again, the, you know, Color aside, yep. get to know the people around you. That's it. And if they're of a different color and of a different race and a different ethnicity, guess what? They have a different story than yep. you. Yep. And, you know, I, another thing that I encourage people to do, and this might sound controversial ever, but listen to the other side of the story and take the time to do that. And mm -hmm. so, like, if you only watch Fox News, watch CNN. If you only watch CNN and NBC, watch Fox News. Learn the other side of the story. If you only read one type of book, politically or socially, read the others. I'm not saying that they're all right. Both sides are full of an agenda, full of manipulation, full of danger mm -hmm. for the Christian. But for the follower of Jesus, to not ever hear the other side, I think is is really a, a dangerous place to be. You start yeah. to drink the Kool-Aid to a degree that you, you can't serve as a Christian. Because remember, the follower of Jesus, they can hold political convictions, but at the end of the day, they can't be bought. Yeah. And if you've sold your soul to one party, you're going to get deceived and you're going to end up not representing Christ well. And so it's not that you shouldn't be affiliated with one. It's that ultimately you have to be committed to Jesus. And I get like, you know, I want to say this, we, we have a lot of police officers uh, in our church and that are serving. And I think that, yeah, there's a lot of talk right now about how do we create accountability within the police force. And, and, you know, I know that that's a controversial issue. I'm not an expert at that. I would just say that to the individual people, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that for police officers right now, they're in a position where, Yes, I think almost everyone in America, hopefully, would admit there are bad police officers, and we have to deal with that. There are some problems with the system, and we have to deal with that. But then there are also a lot of godly, black, white, Hispanic, Asian police officers that are honorable, and that I think as a church family, we need to say, like, listen, we love you. We're not de demonizing you, all right? And we're supporting you in a time where the world is really not supporting you, yeah. you know? And so I know it's tricky. I know it's complicated. I'm not pretending to have all the political answers for how we fix these these deeply rooted problems. But I think when it comes to individuals, uh, we have to be careful not to just, you know, 
one side or the other side, demonize groups because that is naive. These yeah. are people and we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. So let me ask you this as a church, as the lead pastor and yep. your, your team, what would be a good end game? Yeah. If you look down the line, whether yeah, it's, it's one good. month, one year, 10 years, 50 years, I mean, what is the end game to this movement to, to what the church is trying to accomplish? Yep. Yep. And I want all my black, brown, white brothers and sisters to hear this. The end game is to see New England transformed to the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. And we have to do that with diverse, anointed, God-ordained leadership. We cannot reach New England with a bunch of white leaders. We Mm -hmm. can't. We need to have leadership that reflects the communities in which we are planted. And we're going to constantly plant in urban centers, which means we're going to be in diverse communities, which means we need diverse leadership. And I've said this publicly many, many times, and it's been the last two years, it's been a fight and we are gaining ground, but not enough. We need greater diversity in our leadership as a church. And so that's a big, big focus of mine on every level of our church leadership. And thank God for the ground we've taken, but ultimately it's not enough. And, and so right now, you know, we are, we, our leaders are, we're too white. I mean, we just, in the sense that we're, you know, I'm not suggesting that we put unqualified if somebody's like, hey, you know, you're a minority. So, you know, you just met Jesus last week. Come be a pastor. Like, that's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. You can't compromise the gospel, but there are plenty of qualified leaders who are black, white, brown, and we need to do a better job in empowering and releasing leadership that looks like our church. And so I'm, that's a constant focus for me. And I think the end game is a diverse community of people diverse in our leadership, diverse in our strategy that actually reaches New England with the gospel. And listen, I'm telling you, it is not just a dream. We're going to see it happen. We're going to see it happen. And uh, I already see it in my spirit. And so um, it is possible. Yeah. And for those of you who may not have heard the last couple of weeks of sermon and the last Wednesday yep. nights and even your interviews, uh, yep. they've all been so inspiring and, you know, just informative, yep. uh, especially, you know, for a lot of different people. I've talked to people and they all really appreciate the way that you're going out and, and you're really trying to hit this issue uh, head on. Yep. Besides what you've done personally, has there been yep. anyone else that has inspired you yeah. to do different things? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that that I'm trying to do uh, intentionally right now is I'm really trying to be a learner and a listener. Yeah. And so especially uh, to black pastors and leaders that I trust. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I do think, you know, black pastors in this time across the nation uh, really do add value because for, for white brothers and sisters, there's certain things we just don't see because I'm white and I need to learn. And so, you know, it's, it, it is true both ways. You know, I think that, yeah, there are things that minorities need to learn from white people. I think that there's a lot of things white people need to learn from minorities because as the majority, uh, we take certain things for granted that, that as a minority, they, uh, a person can't take for granted. And so, I want to, I really want to learn. And so, uh, I've loved the stuff put out by Miles McPherson. Uh, I've loved the stuff put out by, uh, Tony Evans, by TD Jakes. There's a lot of great, uh, black pastors that I feel like, Hey, as a church family, and especially as a white individual, if you've listened or learned the Bible from these individuals for years, why would we not listen and learn in a time where our country's in a complete uproar about yeah. racial injustice? I think every white leader should be leaning in mm-hmm. and saying like, Hey, I want to learn. And you have a perspective that I need to hear. Help me understand yeah. more. 
so that's been my attitude right now. And it's been a real blessing just listening to podcasts, reading books, uh, just trying to be a learner and try to discern the things that I don't see well. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's powerful to hear you say that just, well, and I think it's so important for us to say, you don't have to agree about everything. I think our church, it, the people too often think, well, I can't agree with this person because of this one little thing that yeah. I may not agree. You got to learn as the family of God to agree to disagree on some things, but not, you know, uh, throw everything out because there's maybe one or two things you may not agree with. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is our lead pastor, Justin Kendrick coming at you. And thank you for all the questions. I've actually gotten a lot of questions and a lot of them I, I used sure. in this, in this interview. So thank you very much for everyone who's actually reached out and wanted to ask questions. Justin, thank you so much for being here. Thank My you joy. for being, being a leader and you know, we appreciate you. We love you and guys, we will see you next week.